following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Fifty-nine percent say release medical records. What's wrong with her? Those are the headlines that Drudge report is trumpeting today and of course drudge is the number one news source in the country i could talk for an hour about all of these issues that are outlined cnn slips to third with trump bashing overload give you a few other headlines msnbc beats cnn in readings in ratings Germany, Christians hide Bibles amid Muslim death threats. Milan, overrun by invasion of immigrants. Obamacare meltdown. Newspapers rethink paywalls as digital efforts splutter. sputter. I mean, the headlines go on and on, and this is what people are talking about. And then, of course, people are talking about vacations. They're talking about recreation. They're talking about boating. You name it, they're talking about it. An American is able to entertain themselves day after day for 75 years. And they seem to never get tired of news headlines, of the drama of an election, They seem never to get tired of trivial talk. Now, why do you, why would I say all of that is trivial? Because some of it has great import for America. It's trivial compared to the topics that I'm guessing most of you will not even talk to anybody about today. There are some topics we just don't talk about. I always go to the same person who cuts my hair. And one day I said to this person, I notice you never talk to me about politics or the Christian faith. Are you a Christian? And they said, yes, I am a Christian. But you don't talk about it. Well, Pastor, there are just two things we're not allowed to talk about. We're not allowed to talk about religion, and we're not allowed to talk about politics. I said, well, I'm going to be a difficult customer for you because I'm only going to talk to you about Jesus. They said, why? I said, because I think it's the only topic worth talking about. Well, I can't agree with you. There are many things we could talk about while I cut your hair. Yes, there are many things we could talk about, but there's only one thing that matters. And that's where you're going to spend eternity and where you'll take your family to spend eternity. Isn't that more important than 
what you're going to have for dinner tonight or where you're going to go for dinner. They finally agreed with me. But I tell you, it's been a great struggle. I'm going to get my hair cut right after this broadcast. You know what I'm going to do as soon as I sit down in that chair. I'm going to ask this person, has Jesus spoken to you today? And I know what the answer is going to be. No, Jesus doesn't talk to me. Well, have you gotten any closer to Jesus so that if he did talk, you could hear him talk? And they're going to be frustrated. They're not going to know what to say to me. And things will be silent again until I ask a question that they feel a little more comfortable in answering. Many of you don't call this broadcast when I open the phone lines, and I'm not surprised you don't because you're not comfortable talking about the topics that I'm raising. If I were to open the phone lines and say, please, if you're for Donald Trump, would you call and tell us why you're for Donald Trump? And if you're for Hillary Clinton, would you call and tell us why you're for Hillary Clinton? The phone lines would jam. That would be something you could talk very easily about because everybody has an opinion about it. But if I ask you, has Jesus spoken a rhema word to you today? The phone lines are going to be utterly silent. If I ask you, are you under the discipline of Jesus? And if you're under the discipline of Jesus What are you learning? The phone lines are going to be totally silent because many of you don't even believe that Jesus comes in time and space and history and directs the affairs of your life. And yet your very life is in the hand of Jesus. He holds your breath in his hands. And when he says your life is over, no doctor is going to save you. And he's being very patient with you. He's being very kind with you. He wants you to have your eyes set on Jesus so that he is all you can talk about because he's all you can see. But I know we live in a culture that is anti-Christ. We live with modernity. Now that's a big nasty word. We live in a world of high tech where everything is materialistic and fast paced so that many of you will not even have the time to listen to this hour of Jesus coming to you to address you on life and death issues because you're too busy. You have shopping to do. You have some other errand you have to run. And so in just a moment, you're going to turn Pastor Ray off and and you're going to say, yeah, I wish I could have listened to that, but I've got all these things I have to do. When are you going to stop and finally let Jesus be totally in charge of your time and your money and your energy and your life and say, I will follow Jesus 
When are you finally going to take time to be holy? I can't answer that question for you. You have to answer it. When are all the topics of the day that fill talk radio, whether you're listening to Rush Limbaugh or you're listening to Michael Savage or you're listening to some other talk, those topics, while well, yes, everybody's talking about it, but they won't bring you into the kingdom of heaven and they won't bring you to Jesus and they won't convict you of your sin and they won't cause you to be disciplined in a way you understand that is discipline. Many of you today are under the discipline of God and you don't even know it. You don't know that the hardship you're enduring right now is because Jesus is trying to get a handle on your life so he can deal with some aspect of your heart that stands in total opposition to him. And if Jesus can never get a handle on your life where you come to consciousness regarding what he's wanting to do in you, you cannot be saved. I mean, what does it mean to be saved? What are you saved from and what are you saved to? I mean, Jesus is much more invested in you than you are invested in you. Jesus sees eternity. And he wants you to spend that eternity with him because he loves you. But you're worried about today. And so he brings the discipline today into your life. He brings suffering into your life because it's the only way, it's the only possibility that God has of getting a handle on your life so that you will finally stop long enough to consider your situation. And most of the time, as with the children of Israel, through positive thinking and through your own resources, you can extricate yourself from that painful situation and never recognize that it was God who brought that to you And God was trying to get a handle on your heart and your life. He was trying to get your attention. And so now if he's going to get your attention, he has to up the ante on your life. And I share simply out of my own life and my own heart. When I was walking in great success, both career-wise and financially, driving my new Mercedes-Benz, being popular and loved on every hand with everybody fawning on Pastor Ray, waiting for every word that would come from my mouth. I was so full of myself, God couldn't even begin to speak to me or get my attention. He had to come and begin to bring severe mercy into my life. And with that severe mercy, I began to understand that God was trying to say something to me. He was trying to get my attention. 
God will go to almost any length necessary to try to get your attention. Does God have your attention today? No, I'm serious. Does God have your full attention? Or are you full of your own scheming and your own designs and your own creation for your life to fulfill the ambitious desires of your heart? To fulfill the desire for attention? To fulfill the desire to be somebody? Does that have your attention or does Jesus Christ have your attention today? When you awakened this morning, did you spend at least an hour in his presence? He said, could you not even wait with me one hour? Have you had that kind of time with Jesus yet today? If the answer is no, will you have that kind of time with Jesus today? Or will you have that kind of time with your professional sports? With your entertainment? With your work? How are you spending your time? Oh, pastor, you're able to spend that hour because you're a pastor. Do you think I was born a pastor? No, I'm a pastor because Jesus called me and I was willing to follow. But then even as a pastor, I was so filled with activities and work, I once asked my bishop, what's a pastor supposed to do? And he took out a sheet of paper and he said, I'll show you what a pastor does. He said, you get up at 530 in the morning, you exercise, you get in your study, and you work on your sermon. And by 9 o'clock, you're out the door. You're going to do visits in homes. You're going to do Bible studies with people. In the afternoon, you're having meetings and you're managing all of the projects that the church has going. By the time you reach evening, you're out doing personal visits to members of your congregation. I said to him, I don't see any time for Jesus in that day. He said, forget about spending time with Jesus and get your job done. I said, I don't see any time in that day to be with my wife and my children. He said, you leave them to Jesus. You do your work and become successful and then you'll have whatever time you need with your children. I said, is that what you have done? Yes, that's how I've lived my life. I said, are your children Christians? Well, no, they're not. They're in rebellion. I knew I'd better not ask any more questions. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I have time to spend any time with Jesus. Pastors are wonderful program managers, newsletter writers, home visitors, radio broadcasters. We can fill our 
every moment with some activity, and we can even claim that we're being like Jesus because we're rescuing people and we're helping people. So we're the big nurturer in the sky. We're the do-gooders, the helpers. Well, that's why so many pastors finally quit the ministry. Because they're burned out. They're exhausted. They have no time with Jesus. So let me ask you. Who is Jesus to you? And you recognize that he holds your life in his hands. And you understand that if you don't, quote, waste time, unquote, with Jesus today, tomorrow he'll have no time for you. Tomorrow he'll send you to hell. He'll say to you, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. Does Jesus know you? Now, don't tell me he knows you because you pay tithe. Don't tell me he knows you because you do these wonderful things for people. Remember, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, there were many who came to Jesus. Lord, Lord, look at what we did in your name. And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't know you. Do you know Jesus? There is no more important question I can ask you today than do you know Jesus? And do you know the discipline he's brought into your life? Have you identified the discipline? Did you know that the scriptures teach us that all hardship is to be received as discipline from God? That's right. You lose your job, it's to be considered discipline from God. You can't pay your bills, it's to be considered discipline from God. A relationship breaks, it's to be considered discipline from God. All hardship is to be endured as discipline. Well, what's the word discipline mean? To disciple, to educate. Jesus is trying to get your attention by these painful experiences that you have with people, with health, with finances. He's trying desperately to get a handle on your life so that he can shape you into his image so that he might dwell in you. So when we come to this 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, let me read the first few verses. Hebrews 12, begin with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, that is, everything you're holding in your arms, 
And the sin that so easily entangles, that is the sin that dances around you and tries to box you in. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What is that race? It is fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is in the business of making you perfect, sinless. Jesus is in the business of destroying the works of the devil in your life. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Jesus is in the business of destroying the work of the devil. But now he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So if you claim that you're a Christian and you're still walking in sin, you have not been submissive to the discipline of God and he's not been able to get a handle on your life because you have listened to these men described in the book of Jude who come and deceive you and teach you a false doctrine that you can be saved by grace as a blanket over your sin and you don't need to repent because you're covered. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. Hogwash. It's a lie. It's, it's what Jude is speaking about and he's warning us, don't listen to these deceivers. When, when God looks at you, you know who he sees? He sees you. And he's looking at you to see if Jesus Christ dwells in you. He's looking at you to see if you have allowed Jesus to circumcise your heart and grow you up so that you can be safely used for the work of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, please hear what he's saying. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the Arthur and the perfecter. That is the one who wrote the script of holiness for your life. He's the author of it. And he's the perfecter of our faith. Remember, faith is always based on a rhema word of God. And that rhema word of God is, Jesus came to save you from your sin. He did not come to save you in the midst of your sin, but from your sin. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, so that you will not let your muscles go slack and become discouraged. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. 
Now, I need to say something very specific here. Please listen carefully. It is Jesus who comes and circumcises our hearts. It is Jesus who comes and removes the bondage of sin from your heart. It is not by law. It is by grace. Grace, according to the book of Titus, teaches us to say no to ungodliness. But now after saying that, may I be very clear with you, it is not easy to say no to ungodliness. Every part of our flesh will rise up in total and complete rebellion And then we learn the value of the prayer closet because then we must go to Jesus and say, this is how I feel. This is what I want. Will you change my heart? Will you circumcise my heart right now? And I'm waiting before you. So the man comes home from work. He's wept many times over being an alcoholic. He comes home from work and he immediately wants to pour that scotch or that bourbon. Or that wife comes home and she wants that gin and tonic. She wants that wine to settle her down, knowing that she's going to get drunk that night. In her heart, she begins to cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, if you don't rescue me, I'm going to get drunk tonight. Or I'm going to fornicate. Or I'm going to whatever it is that tempts you. I'm going to lie to my wife. I'm going to cheat on her. Or I'm going to deal with my children with hostility and anger because I feel so angry about what happened at work today. You're all riled up inside. Well, Jesus isn't going to wave a sparkly magic wand over you and suddenly the the stardust transforms you. No, it's going to be a battle. You're going to have to press into Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't do this. Will you come now in your power and bring deliverance to me and break the bondage that Satan is trying to wrap me up in? And Jesus, if I go down, I'm going to fail. And I'm going to shame you. Will you come right now in the midst of my temptation? Will you come right now and will you deliver me from this temptation? He will do that for you. What happened to Joseph when Potiphar's wife, and and you know what? I'm sure Potiphar's wife was a 10 plus. I'm sure she was an absolutely drop dead gorgeous woman that could not be more seductive. And Joseph was a young man with hormones dancing in his blood. And she comes and says, Potiphar will never know. Come on, let's play. What did he do? He didn't stand there and talk to her about it. 
he turned around and ran. He fled. Do you think that was easy? She had approached him many times, and many times I'm sure he went to bed at night. And the question hung in his heart. I'm a slave. God has left me. I don't have a wife. I'll never have a wife because I'm a slave. I could get back at Potiphar by taking his wife. And what's he going to do to me? He can't do anything because he would expose his wife and he would shame himself. I'm sure the devil brought every possible argument to Joseph's heart. How was he delivered? By running. By fleeing. By gaining the deliverance of the Lord God of heaven. Did Joseph end up with a wife? Yes. Did he end up out of prison? Yes. The Lord brought the necessary discipline into Joseph's life because he was a spoiled young man who had to be toughened up. He had to be taught how to manage the finances of Pharaoh's house because God had plans for him. He could never have successfully pulled off what he did in Egypt to save his people if God had not disciplined him. If God had not disciplined him when his brothers showed up, he would have killed them. He would have simply had them executed. It was in his power, and no one would have asked any questions. All he had to say was, yes, they are spies, execute them, and they would have been dead. But God had done a work in this young man's heart, a jailhouse work, a slave work. He was not a victim God was doing what was necessary to deal with his character so that he could accomplish the rhema word that God was about to speak into his heart that he spoke when he was a child and a dream and now he was going to speak again and bring forth his glory. So the scriptures say, my son... And I'm sure my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So a sign that God loves you is trouble. It's, it's the joy of discipline. Instead of moaning and groaning under the discipline, God wants to fill our hearts with joy. Because he loves us. The sign of his love is the depth of the discipline. Now, some people he doesn't discipline very much because he knows they're never really going to accept his love. 
And so he does not reveal himself. Others, he disciplines so ferociously because he intends to use them ferociously against the devil. Discipline is the final honing of a person's life to prepare them for what God has planned for them, either in this life or in the next life. You know, everything here on earth is simply one level of discipline in preparation for the eternal work that he will assign us. No, we're not going to go to heaven and sit on a cloud, have our feet in a mushy, wet cloud, and hold a harp in our arms and sing little foolish, trite ditties to Jesus. No, heaven is going to be a place of responsibility. It's going to be a place of great fulfillment and joy as we are servants, priests of the Most High God to the universes. We will be the ambassadors of the mighty God of heaven. He's going to make his headquarters on this little terra firma in this far corner of the Milky Way, which is one very small planetary system compared to the other planetary systems. God is going to come and dwell among us, this time in power and glory, and we're going to serve him as ambassadors, as priests of the Most High God. Can you imagine there's a new earth that you've participated in creating and then the Lord says, now you stay here. I want you to train this new Adam and Eve in the way of righteousness and tell them your story. Now there will be no devil there. There will be no serpent there. But we will be the ones who will testify what it was like to live under the tyranny of the devil and of the glorious deliverance our Savior made for us. And the universes will marvel as they hear our testimony of glorious deliverance. As we give Jesus all the honor and glory and praise. Please understand, discipline is not pointless. Unless you gain a vision of the holy city like Abraham did and like Moses did, you'll not be able to keep your eyes on Jesus. Unless you know there's a greater thing we're going to, you will see only your present circumstances and you'll be overwhelmed with grief and sorrow because the discipline is so severe in your heart. But just know with joy that that discipline right now means Jesus has a ferocious love for you. And he intends to use you for his glory. So don't just endure the discipline. Endure with joy. 
I heard a person say, how do you endure? Well, you endure by enduring. There's no simple way to endure. You just, you endure. But in the process of enduring, joy must spring up in our hearts with a confession that Jesus paid it all. And now all to Jesus I owe. And there's a song that I want our producer to play for us today. It's about not going back. Mr. Producer, are you there? There you go. Turn it up. Someday 
that song. Do you? And what's happening for you today? Let's open the phone lines. Any of you tempted to go back? Feeling the discipline? Losing hope? Can I pray with you? Or are you going through that discipline with great joy and you can testify, yes, pastor, I'm going through. Call me. 877-534-0780. I'll give you that number again. The lines are wide open. We have time to take a few calls. 877-534-0780. I was extremely tired yesterday. My heart was heavy. I went to the post office and there was a incredibly beautiful card from from Chris. Chris, thank you. And there was another one from Patrick and Stephanie. Thank you. They greatly encouraged me last night. You know, that's something we do for each other. We encourage each other to hold on and not go back. We speak the word of Jesus to one another. And I can't tell you how wonderful it is to go to the post office and find your notes. And some of you, one, one of you every month when you send your check for radio, on the inside of your envelope, you write a blessing. And I've learned to open the envelope carefully so I can read what's written on the inside of the envelope. Thank you all for your encouragement to me. This is not something I can do alone. It's something Jesus must carry me in. And I need brothers and sisters to walk with me in it and to encourage my heart, and I thank you for doing that. So our phone number is 877 877- Five three four zero seven eight zero. Would any of you like to share today? Or do you need to be prayed for because you're pretty low and you need encouragement? Call quickly, 877-534-0780. Now, while I'm waiting for a call, I invite you to come on Sunday to the National Prayer Chapel. And I recognize that some of you live so very far away. It's just about impossible for you to drive every Sunday to the prayer chapel. Some of you are coming from as far away as Hagerstown or way out in the Baltimore, Maryland area. It would take a couple hours for you to just drive one way. I still encourage you to visit. But I recognize that you need a place, a godly place of worship close to you. Pray that Jesus will bring you to that place or open your home and start a Bible study in your own home. Do a house church. But you need fellowship with other Christians who will center their hearts around the gospel message of walking with Jesus and being made whole. But those of you who can come and visit the National Prayer Chapel, 
were located in this wonderful family church that rents to us, All Saints Anglican Church. They're located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Again, that address is All Saints Anglican Church, 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Drive around to the back side of the parking lot, and there you'll see a large white sign that says Lower Lobby. Come into that lower lobby, ground level, double glass doors, and you'll find the National Prayer Chapel Worship Center immediately on your left. Now, our worship service begins with corporate prayer at 12 noon. I encourage you to be there in time to pray. Come and pray with us. And then we go into a time of welcome, spiritual welcome, and then praise and worship. And not the traditional praise and worship, but instead the mic is open for anyone to stand and share their testimony, share a scripture, share a song. It's your time to testify about your walk with Jesus. Often there's confession of sin and tears, or there's a song, and some people will stand up and sing, and they're as bad as I am. They can't carry a tune in the bucket, but what glorious rejoicing sounds they make. While others come with a melodious and beautiful voice and carry us to the heights. And then we have the message from the word. So come and share with us. Again, it's All Saints Anglican Church, 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. And we do have Sunday school for the little ones. So come and join together with us. I think you'll enjoy it. I also invite you to to write to me, to participate with the giving and receiving of this broadcast. That's how we remain on the air. We are not listener-sponsored radio. We are Jesus-sponsored radio. As he moves in your heart and directs you in terms of what to give, like the one dear woman who, who wrote out her tithe check and wrote a note to me and said, God made me do it. Well, I just laughed and I prayed a special blessing for her. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's a National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, I'm, I'm taking time to share this information with you because I know if I'm teaching, you won't call. So, our phone number is 877-534-0780. The time is quickly running out. You're welcome to call if you need to be prayed for because you're under severe hardship and discipline 
and you need to be brought into joy in that discipline, then call. Or if you're filled with joy and you want to testify that you're filled with joy because the Lord God of heaven is your support and your source and he's delivering you and you're rejoicing in that, call and share that. It will encourage others on their journey. So, Mr. Producer, do we have any calls coming in? Mr. Producer, are you there? Maybe he left us. Well, oh, he's taking phone calls. All right. I also invite you to go to our our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. nationalprayerchapel.com. Well, let's go to which one first, Emmanuel? Welcome, Emmanuel. Welcome, Emmanuel. How can I pray with you, or what would you share? Uh, hello, Pastor. Uh, well, I've just been listening to your uh, your broadcast for the past couple of days. You know, you talking about uh, you know half Christians and uh, you know being totally sold out to Christ, and I guess that's my issue right now. Because I know that God has a great calling on my life, and I don't want to miss that because of sin. And I know that it's also very important to, you know, repent and, you know, uh, you know, turn away from those things that easily beset you. So I just was hoping that you could, you know, pray for me because uh, things happen rough. And I guess I haven't been, you know, uh, going through this time in a, you know, in a joyful spirit. But, you know, I'd like to, you know, change, change all that. I just want to be better for God. Emmanuel, let me pray for you. Lord, this okay. man's this man's name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. I pray, Lord, that you will fulfill that now in his life, that you will be with him and do whatever is necessary to remove every veil from his eyes and bring him into that full place of love and fellowship with you, Jesus, that he is saying he wants. Lord, would you take him now at his word? And would you order his steps and direct his path according to your will? Lord, would he now hear from you and turn in obedience to your rhema word to him? And would you quicken him by the Holy Spirit and circumcise his heart? And would you bring people around him that will encourage him in this journey of righteousness? Lord, thank you for Emmanuel. I ask your blessing and your Holy Spirit to be present with him now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Emmanuel, God bless you, brother. Stay in touch and let us thank know you. what Jesus does. All right. Yes, Pastor. Thank you. All You're right. welcome. Let's take another quick call from Alex. We have about a minute and a half, Alex. Hey, brother. How are you? Good. 
Good, good. Yeah, I know we don't have much time, but um, I sense that I'm under discipline and um, uh, health and other issues. And uh, could you use your prayer? And I appreciate your ministry. I just... Um, uh, Let's pray, Alex. Okay, okay. Lord, Alex is under discipline. I thank you that he knows that. And I pray that in the midst of that discipline, you will put great joy into his heart because yes. he knows the way of righteousness. Yes, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would remove every thought, every, every impulse of darkness, yes. every bit of fear. Yes. Lord, would you remove it from him and would you anoint him with the fullness of your Holy Spirit? I pray now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, I appreciate that. God bless you, Alex. I'll look forward to seeing you soon. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you so much. Bye. Oh, we're out of time. Next time, we're going to open the phone line sooner. And next week, we're going to carry on in the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And I'll be preaching out of Hebrews 12 this coming Sunday. I welcome you to come and share with us. God bless you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I love you.